Welcome to another Rodeo Kick Roundtable. Today's roundtable is presented by Classic Lexus. Classic Lexus is a 2019 Elite Lexus Award winner for the 14th time. This prestigious award is given to dealerships that give exceptional sales and service experiences. What makes Classic Lexus Elite is their focus on the customer experience from start to finish. Whether you are in service or you are in sales looking to purchase or lease your next new vehicle, their friendly, knowledgeable staff is ready to assist. Stop in to Classic Lexus in Willoughby Hills today and the general manager, Matt Dietz, and his experienced staff will be ready to assist you. Call them at 440-585-9003 or visit them online at www.classiclexus.com. We are on location here today at Melt Bar and Grill. They have several locations throughout Northeast Ohio. We are here in Avon today getting up and getting going with a man that stands in a class of his own. Entering the 1980 Major League Baseball season, people had never seen a player like him. And we haven't seen a player like him since. It is the one, the only, Super Joe Charbonneau joining me, John Fanta. And Joe, thanks for taking the time today. Thanks, John. Thank you very much. A pleasure to be here. What a beautiful day. We're on the patio. Great sandwiches here, great food. Just uh, gorgeous, gorgeous day. That's the real reason why we're here for the sandwiches. Oh, man, no doubt. <laughs> sandwiches are great here. Uh, me and Sharon have been here several times, come here to eat. Been to the uh, Lakewood location. I used to, uh, before the Indians World Series games, went to the Lakewood uh, in location. Yeah, yeah. 2016, and uh, that's a lot of fun, but um, just great sandwiches, great food, a great time. Speaking of the Indians, I know that you've, you've watched them religiously. They've won eight and nine, they've won six in a row. They're making the push to October. What are your thoughts? Hopefully, they're peaking at the right time. Word a few weeks ago, they were a little erratic in their play. They're not scoring runs, even last night. Now, they're starting to get those wins like they did, you know, when they were basically like the cardiac kids, you know. The baseball version of the cardiac kids, they'd come back and win with Tommy and those guys. And maybe that history and tradition is going to carry on one more year. Hey, why not us? We're due to win a World Series. We lost a couple of years when I thought we were going to win it. You know, tough game against Atlanta, tough series against Atlanta. Looking back, so, hey, why not us? You know, tough loss against the Cubs a few years ago, the 16th yep. year, like you mentioned. So, um, with that pitching, man, they got to be one of the favorite teams. they just got to get it together and score some runs. No matter how they, they can score them, when they got men on base, the whole thing is driving them in. Scoring position's the key. Now, here's my thought with this season as a whole. I, I want to hear from somebody who's been at all levels of baseball. At the major league level, how do you think going from a 162-game marathon to just a 60-game sprint changes things? Well, you got to feel great. I think pitchers can extend out now. I mean, you can go a little longer with your pitchers. If you get a big lead and you got your number one and two in there and you get a big enough lead, you pull them out early, they might get an extra start. Uh, it changes kind of 
some of the thinking of baseball. I mean, guys got to feel fresh. Their legs aren't tired. Um, your chances of getting in, injured during the playoffs or series aren't as uh, aren't as much. But uh, your pitchers obviously don't have a lot of wear and tear in their arm. And the Indians have the advantage. Fans and pitching right now. I love their bullpen. So, I mean. I'm, I'm kind of excited to see how that changes. This is a totally different animal. These playoffs are totally different. 60 games, I can't imagine. You know, they always say baseball's a marathon. Well, this year it was a sprint. Let's see what happens in the playoffs and World Series. Sprinting towards the postseason, and as we do this interview, the Indians are right in the thick of that AL Central race. Still a possibility that they could win it, but uh, looking likely they could be in that second place spot. We'll see what happens. But, Joe, 40 years ago now, American League Rookie of the Year, and still to this day, even just walking into the melt today, you know, you carry a vibe, and the people around you carry that vibe of, of passion that you had playing the game. Why do you think, even 40 years after you lit this town on fire with, with all the hype that you brought the Indians and around town, even a song, why do you think it still resonates with fans today? You know, it's amazing because it's kind of rejuvenated this year, the 40th year. I mean, people seem to know about it. It was out a little bit in some newspaper articles, and but it's come back. You know, 40 years later, people are kind of celebrating it with me. We had a lot of fun with it. it obviously, wasn't the year we wanted with everything going on. Right. Shortened baseball season, people wearing masks, no fans at the game. But it's still uh, just a joy to be a part of it and 40 years later and, and enjoy it and do some of the promotions we're doing and just having a good time with baseball. It just seemed to come together during these tough times in baseball. And it's, it's been a good time hanging out with fans, getting to know you're talking to the fans, Facebooking with the fans. Yeah. Especially when there was no baseball going on and they were kind of out of touch with sports, especially baseball. And the Facebook stuff went real well. And I think that's what helped this year. I, I did a lot of the Facebook stuff, but I really don't do a lot, a lot of, and a lot of social media I'm not known for. I still have my flip phone, you know. I just. <laughs> But I think that helped a lot. There was no baseball, a lot of social media, talking a lot of baseball, and just people holding their breath and hoping baseball would come about. We got through it. I mean, it's amazing. I didn't think we'd get through it. We got through it, and now we're heading to the playoffs, and the Indians are right there. I want to look back to your journey there in 1980, and it looked like you were going to be heading to AAA Charleston. And then Andre Thornton goes down with the knee injury, mm -hmm. you get that call. What do you remember about getting that call? Well, I, was, I knew I was heading down to AAA. I was very, uh, very frustrated for a couple reasons. Um, one, I just won batting title, led the league in 78, then 79 again. So if I went down in 80, I mean, I knew it would be tough to lead the minor leagues again, but right. to have to do that three years in a row or try to do that, very frustrating because you're saying what does it take to make the big leagues especially with the Cleveland Indians it's not the right. Yankees or Phillies it's the Indians you know <laughs> who are not yeah right not known no. to be a powerhouse or finishing above second to last you know they usually had that sewn up in Cleveland season Stadium start. <laughs> Cleveland Stadium had limited attendance yeah. they would have been yeah. limited attendance they had second to last sewn up pretty much every year but going forward but um you know it was very frustrating then 
Andre Thornton went down, and then Cliff uh, Johnson went down with a smashed finger. So those two guys went down and opened up room for me, which, you know, at that point, you want to make it on your own. You, you'd like to make it because you're a good enough player that nobody got right. hurt. But I, I sure took it. I didn't want to see anybody get hurt. But, uh, I mean, I was very happy I was breaking camp with the big leagues instead of triple A. When you get that call, the call that a, a lot of different players get, it, it can go one way or the other. Either you, you come up and your way, again, stands in a class of its own. Some guys, it becomes too overwhelming for them. How did you channel getting that call into actually producing results from the get-go? Um, I just had so much success in spring training and I played a lot of the B games and had a lot of success facing some of the lesser pitchers or right. fifth starters or fourth starters or rookies coming up like me. But then I played in a lot of the A games and I hit guys like Fergie Jenkins, Fergie Jenkins and Nolan Ryan and names I had baseball cards from when I was in high school. What was it like facing Nolan Ryan? It was fun. I just hoped he wouldn't hit me. He was <laughs> and it's funny, when you face Nolan Ryan in spring training, because we played the Astros, and back then he, we played a lot of the American League teams, or National League teams, excuse me, which was fun in spring training. You're not going to play them during the year. Right. And plus a lot of well-known uh, pitchers you grew up watching, you're not going to face them. So... Um, you know the catcher, I come in, I forgot it was catching, he goes, hey, how you doing? You're facing Nolan Ryan. He goes, he's just going to throw fastballs today. He's working on fastballs. <laughs> and he did. And I'm like, why, why are you telling me that? He goes, Nolan, do, Nolan doesn't care and he doesn't want, you know, if he works on a curve, you'll know. He just worked fastballs. Away, I faced him twice. Fastballs away, I got a hit. They just throwing like fastballs down the middle. I got a hit, and, and I thought I got two hits off Nolan, even though I knew what was coming. And the catcher, they didn't care. But I really didn't hit him that good, that hard. It's not like I hit two home runs, and I knew it was coming. I'm like, God, I'm not that excited anymore. I knew what was coming, knew where he's going to throw. It. I still didn't hit a home run or double off the wall or anything. But it was great to face a legend like that and a lot of respect for him. And the fact he just worked his like four innings, working on fastballs. And then the next time I faced him, he was working on his curveball. And then you realize why he was such a, de a devastating pitcher. He had a very good curveball. I mean, his curveball was an excellent major league curveball. It's one of the best curveballs I saw in the big league. So to go along with that fastball, that curveball, I don't even know if he ever threw a change up. I hope not, because it's fastball. You didn't need it. Yeah, exactly. Devastating enough. You make your debut at Angel Stadium, Central California, and I know how special that was because the family and friends take that drive over to see you. When you recollect, you know, I know what you did. You hit a home run in that game. We know that story. What what else comes to mind underneath all the, the things that happened that day that maybe people don't know as much about that day? I think the big underlying story of opening day was, besides I was so excited yeah. and I dreamed about this my whole life, wanted to get my first major league hit, 
my family, like you said, my family, extended family, friends were there, my mom, my brothers, just probably had 30 people in the stands that, knowing how nervous I was, a couple of the Indians players like Rick Manning, Toby Harris, I go, you got any advice for me before the game, what should I do? Eat a big breakfast, they said. Whatever you do, eat a big breakfast. Well, they were setting me up. What a big mistake, because I was on deck and I was so nervous. I was like, oh, God. Do you remember what you had to eat? Oh, I had like pancakes, waffles, everything. Eat a big breakfast, they said. Yeah. That's what they said. When you, you think you're full, eat some more. And then I was on deck <laughs> and watching it. Boy, I was on deck. I was so nervous, and it came up, and the bad boy goes, oh, my God. But I was so nervous, and I went up the home plate, and the butterflies were gone, and I think my second pitch was a fastball in. I hit real good down the third baseline. Cardi Lansford backhanded it and threw me out at first, and what makes that funny, I was pissed off he robbed me of a hit, but I've been playing against Carney since he was eight years old and I was 10 years old and all through high school. So I'm like thinking, why couldn't he have let that go or missed it? I mean, he's been doing that since I was 10, he was eight, he did it in high school when he played shortstop, and God, he did it again to me, and and, you know, I'm thinking, I'll never get a hit, because he took a double away, made a great play. I'll never get my first big league hit. <laughs> Second at bat on deck, I didn't feel as bad. Yeah. Right, exactly. It wasn't as full. I lightened the load. You and took the defense out of that. Yeah. You just send over the fence. Yeah, and uh, Dave Frost threw me a slider away. I was fortunate enough. To, I was a low ball hitter. There's a slider down low and away. I hit it over the uh, right center field wall back when Anaheim was going under reconstruction. They were doing all the fountains and stuff. And I remember Sid Manji went out there and all the construction and found the ball. I mean, how great a teammate is, is that? I mean, there's construction all over. He probably wasn't even supposed to go in there. Right. He went out and found the ball for me. Unless they just pulled one out of the bullpen and said they found it. <laughs> right, which they could have After the that. breakfast thing, anything can go. <laughs> but, uh, no, I took it as he found the ball. and it, I gave it to my dad after the game, and it was really cool. Let's look at your childhood, your your upbringing. When did you know that you wanted to be a big leaguer? Yeah, I was thinking about this the other day. Since my mom's passed on, I was thinking about her the other day. I remember she was walking me to Cub Scouts one time. She and not not growing up with my dad, he was in a different state. Didn't see him a lot. Sometimes it was tough not having a ready ready available father around. You'd come home, talk to your dad, but my mom and older brothers did a great job filling in for that. So we're walking, and she's walking me a Cub Scout thing on the way to work, and she's like, um, we watched the Giants-Dodgers in California, of course, that was a great rivalry. That was huge. The rivalry. The rivalry. And... uh, she said, I looked up at her and told her, you know, someday I'm going to play on TV like the players were last night. I didn't know if it was the big leagues or not. I might have said Major League Baseball, but someday I'm going to play baseball on TV. And throughout growing up, I told her that she said a lot of times, you know, several times a year, we'd be doing something. And I go, I'm going to play Major League Baseball on TV because we didn't have a car and I'll buy you a car, you know. And, 
and and it would happen all the time. And, and I look back and I must have got some kind of mindset that I was going to do it because I was a horrible baseball player growing up. Never made an all-star in Little League. Really? No, Pony League. Didn't play much in high school to my senior year. Never made all-league or anything. And the first time I made an all-star team was 1978 in the minor leagues. So. Wow. And I wasn't very good in high school. I wasn't recruited out of high school. Did you play other sports in high school? Played a little football. Yeah, and how tried did that to wrestle. Go? Tried to wrestle. Football. Well, I wasn't bad football. How'd the wrestling go? Wrestling went bad. That's a man's <laughs> sport, man. I got bald my ears. I was, I was heading towards those cauliflower ears, and I knew I was too pretty to look like that. <laughs> Not really. I wasn't too pretty. But I didn't want those cauliflower ears, man. I was getting killed. That's a man's sport. I have a new new respect for guys that say I've wrestled all you know since I was six and I'm wrestling at college right now guys like Dan Gable you know mm -hmm. those guys give up a lot that wrestling's a tough that's a man's sport plus you know it, it was I could feel my shoulders I wasn't that flexible it's not a good sport if you play baseball it's so hard on your right. shoulders and, and you don't know many yeah. wrestling baseball athletes. No, no. The only one, Ed Ott. Remember, Ed Ott had wrestled in college, and I remember he picked up somebody second base and body slammed him or something in a fight. <laughs> so nobody messed with Ed Ott again. Also, shortest name in baseball to sign an autograph, Ed Ott. You know, that's yeah, short. yeah. But no, he was a tough guy. But he had wrestled. But no, there weren't a lot of guys. It, it was so tough on your shoulders. But what a man sport, boy. So. When you weren't, you know, making all-star teams or standing out when you were making your way through your baseball career, high school and college, and, and you, you just said it, you didn't make an all-star team until 1978. What kept you so motivated to say, this is going to be what I'm going to do? Well, it was frustrating seeing guys, like I said, I played against Carney Lansford, and he was so good all the way up. And he was a high draft choice, and he was the best player in our high school league, and everybody knew he was going to get drafted and sign out of high school. And I was so far behind him that uh, looking at it and looking back, I, I was smart enough to figure out the only way to thank you. The only way to try to catch up was practice, practice, practice. If you want to do it, get better. So I quit going to do a lot of the extra stuff, high school dances and stuff, and me and my little brother would practice. There'd be a high school dance, we'd be over pitching to each other, practice, and he'd be like, Did you hey. go to prom? I did go to prom, <laughs> yeah. I think I brought a bat with me. Do you remember your prom? <laughs> do you remember your prom? <laughs> prom? Did you remember your prom date? Oh yeah, I ended up marrying her. There you go. Yeah, I married Cindy, so I started dating Cindy. Cindy was a Olympic swimmer. My former wife, and she was a three-time All-American, like number one in the world at Santa Clara Swim Center. So she understood athletes. You're at, it comes first. Your sport comes first, and and everything. But um, she went to two Olympic training camps, so that helped a lot. You have an Olympic athlete training you. That uh, her mindset was amazing, and that's she would work with me more. I had a weak mindset, you know. As I. I would go up afraid of striking out, afraid of making mm -hmm. an out. And she's the one that said, if you go up afraid at all, being ranked number one in the world, swimming at like 16, that's amazing, you know? 
she was on the All-American teams with Mark Spitz and those guys. Yeah. If you're afraid to go up and you have any doubt in your mind, you're in the wrong sport. you got to go up and expect to do your best, expect to battle and compete, and expect to be better than the pitcher. And after that philosophy in, in practicing, and my first year of junior college, I didn't do well. Didn't do well at all. Uh, second year, fall ball, did well. Got drafted in an old January draft. And then my last year of junior college, I tore it up. I did really, really well. Hit a lot of home runs. Hit for a high average, cut down the strikeouts, and ended up uh, signing with the Phillies. First time I got drafted was with the Twins in January. Yep. I think they yep. offered me 500 bucks, a pair of shoes, and a glove. The glove was an infielder's glove. I go, I'm an outfielder, and the shoes were 12. I wore 10s. <laughs> it just wasn't a good fit, you know? It wasn't the right fit. It wasn't the right fit. And, and, and the fact that I worked and my mom and family depended on my income, it just wasn't enough money to leave money at home to help with my obligations with the family. What about Cleveland and the Indians organization made it the right fit? Well, I signed with the Phillies, and it's kind of ironic. I signed with the Phillies, played a year, yep. 77. I spent most of the year at home. Uh, didn't have quite enough room. Had a lot of outfillers. They, with, the, with, with the agreement, I was going to play summer ball at home. They got me on a team, and they were going to sign me for spring training in 78. Lifted a lot of weights, got a lot bigger, got a lot stronger, trained real hard, played all summer, kept my hitting up. Had a good job, signed in seven, re-signed 78, went to spring training, didn't have a lot of bets in spring training, was disappointed. There's about two weeks left of spring training and it's like this just isn't working out. I believe I'm going to get released, but I'm going to hang in here, see what happens. And they, op they optioned me, sent me with the Twins. They had a co-op team. So I went with the Twins, finished spring training, and then didn't start at the start of the season. So I was kind of disappointed again. The other left fielder wasn't hitting very well. He pulled a hamstring or something. I got in there, started hitting from the beginning, stayed in there all year, and led the league in hitting. So, I mean, everything fell into place in 78. Everything went right. Confidence level jumped way up. Performance level jumped way up. Uh, just everything. Better outfielder, arm got a little better throwing, hitting real well. It just everything clicked. All the hard work from the last like 12 years just clicked and everything worked for me. It never had a year like that or a mindset like that or confidence like that. It was amazing. This is the Rodeo Kick Roundtable. We are at Melt Bar and Grilled here in Avon, 35546 Detroit Road. Come on out to Melt Bar and Grilled. Their patio is fantastic. They've got some great um, memorabilia, pictures, all kinds of stuff, TVs to watch any games and events. So come on out to Melt Bar and Grilled. That's where we're at today, right on Detroit Road here in Avon. Number of locations throughout Northeast Ohio. They got the best sandwiches. As we turn the page, we've got some fan questions. Because of course we do. You've got a lot of fan following. Let's start with Chuck from Parma. He says, who was the Indians prankster in the clubhouse? Oh, definitely Burt Blylevin. 
I mean, Burt Blylev, we were taking our team picture, and he mooned the owner's wife. <laughs> so, I mean, and they have that picture. I've seen it up in Ed where he's, they have the one where everybody's laughing. He's mooning. The owner's wife was out watching him get the picture, and he mooned her. Burt was always doing something. I remember, I forget, oh, Rick Waits. Burt Blylev put a, Rick Waits was afraid of snakes, so Bert caught a little snake and he put it in, I think, uh, Rick's hat and turned it over. When Rick went to put it on his hat, the snake jumped out on him and he screamed like a little girl. It was, ah, oh, there's a snake. It was like that big. Uh, he was always doing something. Always doing That's something. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, yeah. That's fantastic stuff. Yeah, yeah. He, um, he had a, a trick he did where the first time uh, one of the fans made a player, I think it was Dwayne Kuyper's birthday, he made a beautiful birthday cake. Sheet cake, happy birthday, Dwayne, his number, character of him, everything. And everybody's going, Dwayne, cut the cake. We want some cake before the game. And uh, so Bert bends down, he, he goes, this cake smells sour. So Dwayne bent down to smell it. He pushed his face in the cake. <laughs> then we couldn't eat the cake. That was it. I still did. I had a quarter piece. Of course Nobody you did. Nobody else would. Yeah. They probably told you to have two or three pieces yeah, so you go yeah, up the bat. Yeah. Like the breakfast story. I'm surprised there wasn't X-Lax in there. Do you still keep in touch with Bird at all? Oh, I go see him. I haven't seen him in a few years. But, uh... Last year, year before, yeah, last year, because he does uh, stuff for the Twins radio broadcasting. Yeah. 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 So I, I go in and see him and stop in and see Bert. I'm glad he made the Hall of Fame. What a great pitcher, you know. He was always on the cusp, but I always thought he was a Hall of Fame pitcher, you know. Mm -hmm. Definitely a Hall of Fame pitcher, but he was always doing something to make it uh, exciting and funny. And he was so off the wall, man. But he was doing something all the time, had his hands sunk. One last one, Bert. Uh, Go ahead. He goes, Joe, you got a phone call. And uh, he was holding the phone backwards. So I took it. I go, hello. He had shaving cream in the ear thing. You ever get shaving cream in the ear before it's a game? Bad. You can't get it out. It crackles. Half the game was crackling. I wanted to kill him. I, I, I told him, I hope you get shelled your next start. I hope guys hit like 10 home runs off of you. I'll be laughing in left field. That, that transitions to our next question from Jill from Strongsville. What teammates are in your life still today? And by the way, these fan questions, I want to thank another one of our sponsors, Burtman Original Ballpark Mustard, the best mustard on the planet. That's Burtman's Original Ballpark Mustard. Classic Lexus. Classic Lexus is a 2019 Elite Lexus Award winner for the 14th time. This prestigious award is given to dealerships that give exceptional sales and service experiences. What makes Classic Lexus Elite is their focus on the customer experience from start to finish. Whether you are in service or you are in sales looking to purchase or lease your next new vehicle, their friendly, knowledgeable staff is ready to assist. Stop in to Classic Lexus in Willoughby Hills today and the general manager, Matt Dietz, and his experienced staff will be ready to assist you. Call them at 440-585-9003 or visit them online at www.classiclexus.com. Uh, our fan questions presented by them today. And, and uh, Joe, 
Joe from Strongsville says, what teammates are in your life still today? That's a great question because, I mean, a lot of your teammates aren't in the area, don't stay around. You only see them once a year at the Indians golf outing or different things. But uh, definitely Lynn Barker. We coached together at together at Notre Dame College, and we've always been good friends and hang out. Kevin Romberg, who played for the Indians, He's in the Minner area. We'll fish together. And in fact, we're going to fish more. I just found out he bought a boat. He called me yesterday. So he, he's back to the top of the list, man. He's, he's, he's number one on the list. Especially next summer, man. We still got a month to fish, Kevin, by the way. But uh, <laughs> Kevin Romberg, Ron Pruitt, it's still in the area. was utility player for us. Me and Lynn Barker were talking about him the other day. He never got a lot of bats with us. He could play any position, but he was really a good hitter. Man, he could hit. I love watching him hit. When he'd play a game, he was tough out, had a lot of power, was really a good ball player. Um, Manning, of course, Rick Manning, who's in the area, uh, still broadcasting, doing stuff. And I'm trying to think who. Huh? Oh, Hargrove, yeah. Hargrove. Who could forget? Yeah, and I didn't play with Bayerga, but I do a lot with Carlos Bayerga, and he is such a funny, funny, funny guy. Carlos is uh, always a ball of energy, ready to go, having fun. Carlos's only thing is you can't ride in the car with him because he puts on so much aftershave cologne. <laughs> I remember Kenny Lofton was telling me and sharing a story one time. He goes, I love Carlos, but he gets in the car with me. Carlos, quit putting that blank stuff on. I can't breathe. And Carlos always carries it with him, the spray bottle. God, so back to Len Barker, you obviously coach together and uh, at Notre Dame College. We know the story, and that when we start in this interview, to give our listeners a taste off the air, everybody knows that you stayed in in left field. The story of Len saying, you know, if you take him out of left field for the perfect game, you better take me out of the game too. We all know that story. After the game, here's what we don't know. What did you guys do after Len threw a perfect game? Len, um, he had family in town. They did. Yeah, they swept him away, and he celebrated. He told me the next day, I go, where'd you go? I wanted to have a beer with you. Oh, I had family in town. They swept me away. They brought me upstairs, and they gave me like a $5,000 bonus for pitching a perfect game. I was like, well, I caught one fly ball. Where's my $100? <laughs> Least worth twenty five dollars. I was making twenty five thousand a year. Slip me twenty five bucks. I right. caught a fly ball. Manning's probably don't. If Manning catches on this, he's asking for a grand. Manning never gave him the ball after the last out. Manning kept it. He was smart. He, he was smart. He was smart. But no, I never got that twenty five dollars from him. Well, with that in mind, I guess, where were your favorite places to go around Cleveland? If it was after game uh, when you were socially, you know, going out or whatnot? Definitely the TikTok Tavern. TikTok Tavern. TikTok Tavern had the great ribs in, was a nice place. I went in the TikTok last year. It's not as nice as it used to be, you know, not quite as nice. But uh, I lived uh, right behind it, yep. Berkshire, right behind I could walk there, walk home, and... After a game of Tic Tac, you know, no, no fans really knew about it. We'd get, 
get your ribs, your beard. You could, we could walk back and forth, bring my son in, you know, he was just a baby, ribs and go. It was so much fun. But uh, TikTok was definitely the place. The flats still had a couple places, the booze and the flats. And the flats just had a few places there. Pirates Cove, you could go for music. And, uh, you know, that was about it. There, we didn't go, I didn't go out a lot. I had the wife and, and my son then. And after a game, you know, we'd go home and kind of just uh, hang around the house, watch some TV. How much, uh, always curious with the, with the local athlete scene, I think that this answer varies. How much did you interact with Browns or Cavs players or anybody else around town like that? That's a great question because quite a bit back then. You I'm did. Doug Deacon. Um, oh, Doug, tell me your best Deacon story. One time I was driving by Deacon's house and there was a goat staked on his lawn with a rope. So I stopped, knocked on the door. It was I was going to work out. It was in the off season. Doug answers the door and his boxers and a wife beat around. Go, what's with the goat? Goat? Who put a goat in my front yard? Somebody had put it in as a joke. They had pounded it in and had like a leash on it. It was eating his grass and stuff out there. I said, what are you trying to get out of the mowing your lawn? And he goes, I don't know who the hell put a goat in my front yard. But I, I would, but Another story with Doug, I walked in, remember the, what was it, the Lawson Markets they used to have here where they Lawson Markets? Walked in to buy like a 40 ounce or a beer. I did have my ID, I was playing for the Indians, Deacon signing autographs in there, so I come in. I go, oh my God, Doug Deacon, you're my favorite player. I grabbed him, I kissed him on the lips, everybody's looking, he pushed me away. What the hell are you doing? Get out of here. I was laughing at him. So I went up to buy my beer. I didn't have my driver's yeah, license. Yeah. I left at home. They wouldn't sell me the beer. He was laughing at me. I go, oh, God. He's signing autographs. You can't get a I beer. I can't even buy a beer. I was playing for the Indians. I was like 25 years old. So I'm at home. I was telling Cindy, they wouldn't even sell me a beer. She goes, take your license. Go back. I go, no. Deacon would laugh at me. He was laughing at me. <laughs> About that time, I hear a knock on my door. He got done signing the autographs. He bought me my 40 odds. And <laughs> brought it over. I go, I don't want it. No, take it. Take it. Oh, but there were so many Deacon stories. He was so much fun. He was a big practical joker. Him and Dwayne Kuyper used to go at it. They would go at each other at a banquet every year for Our Lady of the Wayside. Yep. That was fun to attend. They'd go... At it. And then, Everybody's got a Deacon story or stories. Oh my God. You know, I uh, I used to get out and I'd drive by his house. He'd be out doing something in the front yard. Where do you live? Uh, right down the street in uh, Avon Lake from yeah. me. Literally a half mile down. Yeah. I bought a bunch of these yellow flags and I'd drive by his house. I'd put washers in and I'd drive by his house to be out there or even if it wasn't out. I'd throw him on his front lawn because remember he had all those holding penalties? He was going for all the holding. He goes, quit throwing yellow flags in my front yard. Or if he was out there, I'd throw it. And the, the one day I put the washers in it, driving by, threw it out, and it hit his Mercedes window. 
<laughs> cracked his window. He cracked the window. <laughs> cracked his windshield. So he goes, you're going to have to buy me a new windshield. For I go, I didn't do that. He goes, there was a yellow flag next to it. <laughs> so I had to Evidence. Put, put it on my insurance. It's amazing. Doug, who, any other Browns that you kind of uh, hung I'll out with? I'll a little bit. I'd hang out with Sipe. Uh, Pat, Mor Pat Moriarty, who was a running back for the Browns one year, we hung out a lot. Who was a, uh, was he Ignatius or Eds? Moriarty, I think, is Ignatius. Ignatius, yeah. He was a running back, went to Georgia Tech and played for the Browns. Loved hanging out with him. Uh, and a lot of guys afterwards, Herman Fontenot, Reggie Langhorn. Uh, oh, shoot, who's the other? Bob Golick, a lot with yep. Golick. What a great... What a great family the Golics. I knew the father, all the kids. Uh, I didn't know the mother, but the father was a great man. Really, really good man. And uh, the father told me a story once. He goes, I got, I go, Mr. Golick, Thanksgiving's coming up. He goes, I'll tell you a Thanksgiving story. I got so sick of my kids fighting over turkeys. I finally had my wife buying both, each a 12 or 14 pound turkey they could eat themselves, because that's how much turkey they ate at Thanksgiving. Wow. I go, you mean through the week? No, at Thanksgiving, they ate a whole 12 for with stuffings, potatoes. We finally started buying their own turkey, because they'd fight over the turkey, and they'd start throwing. Jeez, that's, that's great amazing, because they were all big Notre Dame boys. They all went to Yeah, Notre all Dame. fighting Irish. Yeah. It, they could eat. Oh my God. Yeah, you, all you had to do was look at them. Um, Man, 12 pound turkey, come on. I know, that's big time. They probably ate it feathers and all. Who knows? <laughs> gizzard. <laughs> Down to the gizzard. Yeah. Uh, Jim from Broadview Heights asks our next question here. If you did not become a professional baseball player, what would you do for a living? Great, great question. In fact, I was in school to be a forest ranger. Wanted to be a forest ranger so bad. If baseball didn't work, honest to God, I, I, that was, had my heart set on being a forest ranger. Why was that? Just love the outdoors, love fishing, California, the state parks, and with a, I fought fires. We did the, the wildfires, but of course I wasn't on the front line, and I wasn't trained, but we did support, and to host some of the fire, uh, wildfires and stuff, and I wanted to be a forest ranger, wildfire, wildfire fighter, and that was what I wanted to do. And uh, I still talk about it quite a bit. I know I've told Sharon about it and other people about it, and they, they're like, are you kidding me? My third choice was a rodeo clown. A rodeo clown. Yeah, it's hard to keep that red nose on. No, no, no I can't. I can't. Rodeo, rodeo kick, kick, rodeo yeah. clown. You're yeah. the rodeo clown of rodeo kick, Joe That's not true. Yeah, the rodeo clown's not true, but I really wanted to be a forest ranger firefighter. We have another question that is a perfect segue from your previous comments about California. Donna from Randolph, New Jersey. Now that you've lived in both places, not based on your baseball career, which would you pick, California Dreamer, Ohio Buckeye? I gotta go Ohio. I love California, but every time I go back there, it's changed so much. It's too liberal for me. It's changed so much. Much better place in Ohio to raise a family, I believe. And I still have family in California. 
I go to California and Oregon a lot, split time between them, but Ohio, hands down, I, I love Ohio. I mean, I got here and I never left again. Just, I think it's a great place. I miss the mountains, I miss the ocean, but we got Lake Erie, you yeah. know, and... Um, What's your favorite place to vacation? I've been to Hawking Hills a couple of times. I like that. Like out of state, um, it, some of the national parks. Yep. You know any national parks? Uh, been to Idaho. Uh, trout fisher, big trout fisherman. Colorado, Idaho, Utah. Um, just love, you know, California. Have uh, you done the Grand Canyon? I haven't done the Grand Canyon trip yet. I've been to the Grand Canyon, haven't done the raft trip down there. I'd love to do that. Got to do it soon. I'm getting old. Uh, I would love to do, uh, this year I'll tell you what, I have a couple things I want to do. Give it to us. This year for my 65th birthday, of course everything stopped. I wanted to go to Barcelona. We had looked into it and run with the bulls. I wanted to do that. I'm serious. No. I was, I was right there and then... The pandemic hit, and that was out. And okay, I'm going to tell you what. If you end up doing that, I've been told by Randy Mintz at Rodeo Kick, he'll provide a camera crew and fly out with the crew himself to Barcelona to film you doing the running of the bull. That's actually what I wanted to do. I mean, that's seriously. 65th birthday, what a great present. I know my 21st birthday, we... Me and my buddies broke into the zoo, and I rode a rhinoceros. Uh, oh, you rode a rhinoceros? The, yeah, why not run with the uh, bulls? Yeah, my At the Cleveland zoo. zoo? No, no, no. This was in San Jose. Happy Hollow Zoo in San Jose. Happy Hollow Zoo. Do they know zoo about zoo? that? They do now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just glad I never got caught. We broke in, and... You broke into the zoo, Happy Hollow Zoo, and you... How did you get to a rhinoceros? Well, uh, the rhinoceros pen, it's not like it's got a 10-foot-high wall. They can't jump, obviously. They're not big jumpers. Yeah. I'm not an animal expert, but, but you're right. But they're they're <laughs> twice as wide as this table. That's hard getting out of your, like, your legs there. It's not, they're big animals. you have a picture of it, or we don't no, have any? No, no, no. Back then, they had, they, they had no flip phones to take a picture right, right. But we went in, I rode it, fell off it, it chased me around a little while. We got out, went back to the bar. I'm serious about that. I know. It's I've, I've seen and read a lot of stories. That is that is a new one. Yeah, so running with the bulls, I'm serious. That would be such a great, you know, my 65th birthday we present to this do. year. Yeah, I thought it was unique and a little different and be fun. And I don't know how long I would have ran with them. They say if you don't beat the Bulls in the stadium, they throw lettuce and tomatoes at you. <laughs> I'm sure I wouldn't have beat the Bulls in the stadium. No, so you would have taken the lettuce and tomatoes. The people, yeah, I researched it a little bit. And if if you beat the Bulls in there, you're a hero. You get clapped, they throw roses or flowers at you. If the Bulls beat you in it, they throw lettuce and tomatoes at you because the Bulls Great. beat them. Yeah. Speaking well, of stadiums, mm -hmm. What comes to mind when you think about Cleveland Stadium? The old Cleveland Stadium, I loved it. It, it was so big, and, and the locker rooms weren't big enough. Everything was older. Everything leaked. Um, <laughs> as a, I'll give you two, two looks at it, two okay. perspectives at Cleveland Stadium. One, as a player, love playing because two or three times we filled it. 80, 78, 80,000. One opening day, 
a couple times we played the Yankees. So in baseball, to play in front of 80,000 people, not many people get that yeah. chance ever. So I got to do that along when we played the Yankees, and it was just the whole stadium shook. 80,000 people sold out in that stadium. They took down the right field padding down and fans sat in folding yeah. chairs. It, it was just phenomenal. And the, we won and the crowd noise was just deafening. You couldn't hear anything. The stadium was shaking, so that was awesome. And and to play in that big stadium when it was full, you never see anything like that. Just, baseball, you don't see anything like that. Mm. So that was amazing. As a Browns fan, in the stadium. I sat behind a pole once. You can't see from certain places. And urinating in that trough in there, boy, that's an experience. You look down the line, there's 50, 100 people lined up. You get gun shy pretty fast on that trough. That's a little, that's like your first time in the shower in high school, your freshman year. Man. When you're uh, in that trough. Yeah, that trough. You got a little gun shy on that thing. But it's, that's so cool they had that giant trough. Remember that? Yeah, it, it, I, do, I mean, yeah. I don't remember the old Cleveland Stadium, but uh, anecdotally, Byers Field in Parma had a trough for the longest time. Oh, so yeah. Ignatius Football would play there. Yeah. I did the games. Yeah. And they had the big. Yeah, you miss that because here's the thing. They have the urinals now at First Energy Stadium. No one goes to the bathroom in the urinals. Oh, it's all over the yeah, floor. It's, yeah. the, trough would, the trough would achieve much more, You Joe. couldn't hit the floor with the trough, but they couldn't throw enough urinal cakes in that thing. They no. <laughs> need to double the urinal cakes in that If thing. you're in the urinal cake business and you partner with Cleveland Stadium, you, you were covered. That. But that was amazing. I mean, that was just such an experience. My first Browns game, we're heading in the bathroom. My buddy goes, oh, man, you know about the trough? I go, what trough? Okay. <laughs> it was like, oh, God, this is amazing. Was, now, were the locker know, room bathrooms different? Or were they the same? I don't know if we had a trough in the uh, Indians locker room or not. No, they had the urinals. They had the urinals. It was so small in there. Like, we were... In the training room was yep. small. It, 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 it was hard to believe that was a football uh, stadium. stadium at one time with the smaller locker rooms and stuff. But I really enjoyed playing there. It was, it was tough towards the end of the year. You hit a ground ball through and the Browns had played when the Browns started playing. And that was all fresh sod because it was the uh, end zone. You couldn't get a ground ball through there. <laughs> Jesus. Because that was the end zone. Because, uh, yeah, the saw, it was brand new. Right, ball just stopped. Ball would slow down, stop. You're like, gee, I would have hit 100 points high. No, not really, but it, it was a good place to play. They had the grass sprayed green. You're out there, it's all sprayed green. Shoes are green. Right, right. It was a unique place. It, it, was, it was something. A lot of teams would lodge complaints through the American League and Major League Baseball that it was almost unplayable and it should be, you know, just lodging complaints to for updating it, updating it. And I think that's the reason they never knocked it down and kept it at baseball. You know, when the Browns, you know, moved, it, it, it was just too hard to convert that, you know. Right, but right. I loved it. I loved it. Um, I've got a couple more questions here on the Rodeo Kick Roundtable where Joe Charbonneau here from Melt Bar and Grilled in Avon. Joe, 
Claudia from Powell, Ohio says, I heard you were in the movie The Natural. Is it true that the movie The Natural was based off of real life events that took place in your life? I doubt that. It was based <laughs> off the book by Bernard Malamute. But thank you. Thank you. Um, that was a great experience. One way and another way, it was just so hard to do. A lot of it was hurry up and wait. Filming, you'd sit for six, eight hours, and and we'd play catch with the football, and throw around. But I got to meet people like Glenn Close and Robert Duvall and uh, Robert Redford and uh, Wilford Brimley, Robert Fonsworth. It was such a great experience, Joe Don Baker, and they were all really friendly. I got released by the Indians, so they, the filming crew contacted me and said, we want you to be in the natural, we're going to do like the screen test, whatever. So I went in there and they go, we're going to give you a part. You're going to play a center fielder and you're going to do, Redford's a home run hitter, you're going to do a lot of stuff. And so they started filming and like all of a sudden, They'd have Redford standing on something if we did something. Or, it, it, we never did just mean Redford doing a lot of right. scenes, but there'd be people in the scene. And then he goes, crouched down a little bit. It just, it, he's the power hitter. I ended up being too big around him and didn't look right on camera. And they say, well, we're going to cut your part. We still want you to do stuff in the movie. You're just not going to have your speaking lines. But we're still going to pay you. So I still got paid a lot of money. <laughs> We're really doing very little and just appearing in the movie right. bits and pieces. But I Where was filmed a lot. It was shot in Buffalo at the old uh, rock pile, the old stadium. Remember where the Bills played? In Buffalo, yeah. yeah. And I was playing there in Double A, coming off my second back surgery. The Indians released me. And I ended up staying there filming, and God, it paid me way more than the Indians. And I got to hang around and just do stuff, and I made a lot of money. Really? Oh, the, the end of it, they went to film in California at the end, after they were done filming there, and they're like, would you like to go to California, be in some background stuff? And I said, no, you know, I got... I had my kids there, and uh, Pirates had re-signed me for next year, wanted to get working out again. Season was almost over, but Pirates didn't want me to play th that year, but get ready for next year. I had the back, so was still rehabbing the back and stuff, so I didn't. I, I opted not to go, and so they, I kept getting these checks in the mail for a lot of money, and they still had an office in Buffalo. So I drive down there, and I, the payroll lady was there. I go, you've made a mistake. She goes, we don't make mistakes. You know, right. I go, I tried to say, you paid, I got an extra check. <laughs> yeah. Keep it. We don't make mistakes. She didn't want to do the paperwork. I got these checks for like another six weeks, and these things were like two or three grand each. <laughs> oh, wow. I mean, and I got an then. extra like 20. 25 grand. I made a fort. I bought a house in Buffalo for me. I'm glad the Indians released me. I made a crap load of money. And I didn't do anything. Kind of the story of my life. Didn't do anything. Didn't, wasn't a big movie hit. Didn't, 
It wasn't on camera a lot, but got overpaid again. <laughs> but it was a good experience. I knew right then I didn't want to be an actor. I got offered another. They said, come to New York. One of the assistant producers, I want to get you in a couple of things in New York. And I said, you know, I just, I want to try to play for the Pirates. He goes, you'll make a lot of money just even doing little stuff in the movies. But I wanted to go out and play baseball again. So with that in mind, because you were making those checks uh, every couple of weeks, Cindy from Menor asks our next question. Are you single? Yeah, I am single again after 40 years of, after 40 years of marriage. So I'm she could call you. I guess so. After those stories, why would you want to call me Cindy? Well, Cindy I is, didn't make it in baseball. I didn't make it in acting. Cindy's actually a, she's a Spain enthusiast. Okay. She wants to run with the Poles. Yeah. She wants to run with Charbonneau. Yeah. <laughs> as long as she can get me over there and pay for the room. <laughs> that ain't no bull. <laughs> All right, uh, bonus question of the day here. Yes. Anonymous person from Brook Park. Is it true you were able to open a beer bottle with your eye socket and your mouth? Is that John Babin from Brook Park? <laughs> the mouth, no. The mouth, no. No, the eye socket I did a couple times. And you could, you for a period of time, right, you could drink with your nose? I did that a couple times, too. This wasn't a weekly thing, but it did happen a couple times. You can notice the scar. There's a scar. I see the scar. Scar. Right college. Yeah, it was college days. It wasn't like playing with the Indians. It wasn't in Sunday during church. It was college <laughs> days, you know? Right. And my buddy did it, so I tried it, and I finally got stitches, never tried it again. But those stories, we had a blast with those stories, and, and Dwayne Kuyper kind of got those stories out with uh, Danny Coughlin, yep. and they exposed them to the Cleveland market, and those things got going so hard and fast that there were stories made up every week, stuff I'd never heard, even a light Mitz. bulb, and yeah, <laughs> they snowballed down, and then it got so bad at one point, a writer, and I think he might have been with Disney or just a freelance writer, he bought the rights to some of those stories. They paid me, and Disney was negotiating to do a movie about some of that stuff. Because they did all those sports movies in Remember the Titans. But it kept getting put on the back shelf. But every year I got a check for those stories for like six, seven years. I got like six, seven grand a year just for... Renewing the rights to the stories. It's amazing. People need to take some economic advice from you. Hey, once again, I got paid uh, for, do, for doing nothing. <laughs> God, nobody better than you in that category. I, I, I know. Uh, I mean, my goodness. It's um, but it's, it's been a fun time. You know, I've got to do a lot of stuff. We did the book, the song, um, you know, almost a movie like that and and you know just I got to work for Channel 8 I won an Emmy with Channel 8 once again I got something I didn't even have talent won an Emmy at Channel 8 just I've got to do a lot of fun stuff in the Cleveland area it's been so good to me and in life in general it's been a lot of fun, a mm -hmm. lot of fun. 
You know, I wanted to note this artist, Robert Conley. He's created a likeness caricature of you, uh, featured on the T-shirts that we've got yeah, on, signed poster. Those are available at rodeokick.com. Pretty cool. He's very talented. I know uh, I do a lot for charity stuff, being sharing and we're doing a lot. We, I try to do a lot with the USO, who take care of our troops. So they bought a lot of this stuff. And Monday... They bought some more stuff, the teacher, T-shirts and characters, and we're going to take them out, and they enjoy them at their golf outings. I love that. They love it. And they're just such a great organization. Yeah, and I love that you help the troops because that's what it's all about. It, yes, the, they do everything for us. They put the on the line, do everything, and, and uh, the USO does everything with them. They provide money if the troops need it. They provide uh something happens at home unexpectedly with their families they'll pay for flights to get them back home but the main thing they feed and entertain them you know and, and and that's what our troops need it's a hard life for them you know, a lot of times they're six months away from their family on a ship or a boat or they're, they're fighting we're putting their life on the line so we really enjoy doing that um 40 years after winning the American League Rookie of the Year Award for the Cleveland Indians, Joe Charbonneau, Super Joe, what do you want to say to your fans after 40 years? Thanks. Thanks so much. I mean, you know, my career was cut short with the back injury. They were so good to me when I played. They were better after I got hurt and stayed in the area. And I enjoy talking to them, social media, meeting them out. Hanging out with them, just having a good, good, good time with them. They're just really loyal people. That's how Cleveland fans are here. They're just loyal, loyal fans. Whether you're Browns, Indians, Cavs fans, they're just good, loyal fans. And uh, go try. Let's see if we can win a World Series. Wouldn't that be great? That would be great. Let's yeah. end this drought, Super Joe. Joe Charbonneau, thank you for coming on. What's your message to Cindy from Menor? <laughs> a moo, I guess. <laughs> Buy those tickets. Get that uh, villain in Barcelona, and I, I'm your cupcake, I guess. <laughs> Joe Charbonneau, thank you so much, Super Joe, for joining us today. Thanks. It was awesome. Thanks. That does it for the rodeo kick. Roundtable here. We are presented today by Classic Lexus. Classic Lexus is a 2019 Elite Lexus Award winner for the 14th time. This prestigious award is given to dealerships that give exceptional sales and service experiences. What makes Classic Lexus Elite is their focus on their customer experience from start to finish. Whether you are in service or you're in sales looking to purchase or lease your next new vehicle, their friendly, knowledgeable staff is ready to assist. When servicing your vehicle at Lexus, you can drop it off and take a loaner for the day until it is done or choose to use their Lexus valet service and have the loaner brought to you up to two hours from the dealership. This is great for those days you would like to service your car, but you're stuck in the office, you're busy at home, but you still need it taken care of. After purchasing your vehicle, you'll be assisted by a delivery technology specialist to help you go over the car, and they will even set up a second or third delivery with you to continue going over all the great features on your vehicle. Stop into Classic Lexus in Willoughby Hills. Talk to Matt Dietz and his wonderful staff there. They'll take care of you. Matt's the GM over there. His experienced staff will be ready to assist you. 
440-585-9003. That's 440-585-9003. Or visit them online at www.classiclexus.com. We are at Melt Bar and Grill here in Avon. They're awesome. Come get their sandwiches. I've had too many to count. And my my stomach reflects it. For Super Joe Charbonneau, I'm John Fanta. Thanks for checking out the Rodeo Kick Roundtable. And with October baseball ahead, go Tribe.